Hey, ladies and gents, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today, we have Cole on for Football Fridays. John Jones is in trouble again. The NFL draft is a go. And we have the Degenerates Den. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Burst Your Bubble. Remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening. And remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Josh, have you checked out uh, Tiger King yet? Actually, I haven't got to watch it. I could have a little bit ago, but I had some homework I had to work on first. Uh, so that kind of took priority. And I went outside and threw the ball around with the dogs a little bit. We had a neighbor, co- neighbor come over and we just kind of played around with the dogs for a little while instead. And I got some physical activity in after being quarantined in the office all day. Am I missing out? You definitely need to watch it. Um, I don't know about tonight. We've been talking all week about how, how long of a week this was and how tired we are, but uh, I'm not sure tonight's the night to start Tiger King because if you start episode one, you'll end up finishing it before work tomorrow. Yeah, I definitely don't need to do that. It's going to be late enough as it is, so I don't need to start a new series tonight. If I'll do anything, I might watch a few episodes of The Office just to relax a little bit and get a couple laughs in. What season are you on? I'm still on season three. I haven't watched any more since the weekend. I've been uh, been running and gunning this week, man. Yeah, we've been we've been doing it all. So, uh, yeah, definitely get get into Tiger King as soon as possible, man. That is that's definitely the the talk of Twitter, talk of the talk of the town. It got got people's mind off of off of Corona for a minute at least. So, so I did see a a, a picture going around where it's a ruler one through ten. How Oklahoman are you? Uh, zero is KD. Five is Blake Shelton and ten is Joe Exotic. Dude, I tell you what, Joe Exotic, <laughs> man. And the thing is, he got you know twenty percent of his Libertarian votes in his district. So I mean, yeah, he, he had the support, man. Yeah, yeah, nineteen percent in the election. I actually met him at a few of his uh, campaign events. He came to Tahlequah a few times, and I think I met him in Muskogee a few times. Uh, he went everywhere in this extended white limo. Right, yeah. Is he everything he, everything he plays to be on the on? I guess you haven't seen it, but I mean, is he everything that he portrays to be? I would. I haven't seen it, but uh, from what I can imagine, yeah, hundred percent. The man is a, the man is a character. All right, Kyle, we're going into some headlines around the sports world. Uh, start with. John Jones got himself a uh, DUI. What's your initial thoughts? Is it a surprise? Yeah, you know, Josh, I, it was a – I hate to even say it, but it, it's not surprising. But at this point in his career, it kind of was because, you know, I just saw him fight not too long ago. He defeated Dominic Reyes, his third title defense since um, the last situation like this. Um, I was a little surprised to see him back on this and – um you know, not to speculate, but he, there was, 
a gun in the car and another open container. So a not not a good situation for John Jones. Looks like he's, you know, again not to speculate, but probably going to be stripped of his title again. So it'll, it'll be the third time he's been stripped. Um, for a guy that I think is one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen fight pound for pound, he's destroyed everyone in his path. He's never lost a fight. His only loss ever came in 2009 due to a, an illegal elbow, which Dana White said shouldn't have even been counted as a loss. You hate to see it. You do hate to see it. I, I, I really hate to see it for the guy. I think that he is, like you said, he is one of the greatest fighters uh, to ever step in the octagon. And it really is sad for this to happen to him, but it's just proven itself too many times over and over again that this is kind of the trend that his career has taken him down in the ring. He's amazing, but off the outside of the ring, it's, it's a completely different story and it, it, it doesn't paint a good picture for him, but hopefully you can say this every time, but hopefully this is the one that he learns from. Yeah. You know, everyone points back to that Gustafson fight when, yeah, he partied all week. There's reports of him in strip clubs every night until 3 a.m. in cl- all the clubs, partying with ev- all the celebrities in, in Vegas all week, and even walking, even in the fight, after the fight, Gustafson saying he smelled like alcohol. He, he, he smelled like liquor. And John Jones reporting or admitting after that fight that, you know, I, I was walking into the ring, uh, into the octagon, and I was saying to myself, oh, my God, I'm about to lose the title. And that, and he ended up, you know, willing, willing out a win, you know, hours after being on a bender in Vegas for God knows how long. You know, this, like you said, this has kind of been the story of his career, and hopefully, this is the one, Josh, that he turns it around and really starts taking advantage of the final years of his career. Because, like we say, he is the greatest of all time. So, you know, he still has probably five, six, seven years of greatness left. So, so I'll ask you this: Do you think that those those benders and the things that he does, do you think it helps him in the octagon? He hasn't lost. Well, I mean, I don't think it – I mean, I definitely think you could say it helps him, but I don't think you could say – I don't I don't know you could, how much you could say it hurts him. I mean, the guy the guy's a different breed. He's going to go out there and he's going to knock you out, whether he's on hammer, just sniff four lines or, you know, just knocked out a bottle. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that is – the man is crazy. I, I, don't, I don't understand how anyone – can do it much less stepping in the octagon to do that it's a different different animal so uh so next we can look at roger goodell's letter to nfl management uh that said the draft will go on on april 23rd or is it the 26th in april the draft will still happen Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm actually i actually thought this was going to happen i you know i've been saying Roger Goodell's tone deaf. He doesn't, um, you know, he he always has been, or the NFL always has been. One thing that I do know, you know, pushing back the draft would push back the entire NFL season because then it would lead to OTAs being pushed back, uh, different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe this is a decision for the long haul where they're trying to, you know, save the season or give themselves the option of changing the timeline later on um, after the draft. Yeah, definitely. This is absolutely a, ma- a move made by no with no one else in mind besides Roger Goodell and the owners. The GMs all came out last week. You know, we talked about it in la- in the show earlier in the week. The GMs come out imploring him, please move the draft. We will not have enough time to scout. We will not, not have enough time to do physicals. 
We will not have enough time to do mental evaluations. We won't know the players we're drafting. Please move it back. They said, nope, we're not moving it back. We move it back. We're going to lose money, and that's it. And, and the, the GMs will have to deal with it, and, and I think the owners will have to deal with the repercussions of that. Well, yeah, and it's, it, you know, it's million dollars, it, millions of dollars in investment into each player. Into and lives, you know, that are, you know, could be endangered at this event. I don't know what precautions they're going to take. Hopefully they do some sort of uh, different kinds of draft. I saw one proposal where it was uh, each round had its own day for TV. That way it was limiting the people who were going or something. I, I'm not sure, but, you know, they would have to take some kind of precautions for this. If not, I just, I don't understand how someone isn't, wouldn't hold them accountable if they didn't take any kind of precautions and let everyone roll out. I don't know that the the players would go. I think that you'd see more of them staying home to be with family and uh, close friends to see where they go. Yeah, you see the WNBA, uh, they said their their draft will be held on April 17th as planned, but it's going to be completely virtual or as virtual as possible. And I think you will see the NFL follow suit in that um, in making it remote as possible, I doubt. Any players will actually be there. There'll be no handshaking, of course. Maybe if any players are there, maybe just some elbow daps with the with the commissioner. Yeah, which is kind of what I thought. You know, earlier in the week, I kind of thought that if they did have it, it would be you know we'd get to see a lot of reaction videos and things like that, which I'm actually excited to see. I I really enjoy those videos, but it is it's definitely interesting that they went ahead and did this with all the GMs coming out like they did. And the strong advocation for it, it just shows, you know, who has the power in this league. The power isn't in the players. The power is in the owners in the NFL. Roger Goodell. Yeah, and I actually make think, the decisions. Yeah, and I think, I think a virtual draft will actually be a better viewing experience than the than the regular draft because I mean we watch the draft from start to finish every year, Josh, from the first pick to the last one, and it is brutal. It is a brutal watching experience, but we watch it for you know four hours every night anyway. But if you know we're watching a different reaction in a different bedroom every two minutes, I think that's that's electric. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And like I said, I'm ready for those videos. I'm ready for those clips to start coming out with, uh, you know, the different decisions and the background into it all. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I love this time of year. I'm excited for football. The I am glad though that at least with the draft continuing as planned, if the NFL decides to push back or postpone any games or uh, trainings they have the decision to do that after the draft and uh you know can set a firm schedule instead of being having to push back the draft to an unknown date and then move things from there i i i can understand the gm's issues but i as a fan i am excited that we will get to see football quicker than we would have with a postponed draft yeah it is a little it is a little refreshing to see something you know not cancel or postponed it it maybe gives you a little hope. Yeah, maybe Mark Cuban wasn't too far off base when he gave us the under on June 1st. Hopefully not. Okay, so the the last headline that I want to look at today um, that I have is Bruce Arian says that Antonio Brown to the Bucks is a no-go. He does not want Antonio Brown to be at the Bucks. What is your thoughts? So I didn't actually like him coming out and saying that um, – you know, he's, he won't play here this season because he's not a fit. I think early in the season, this is way too early in the season for him to be saying that, you know, we're still talking about if we're going to have the draft. So, we know, he doesn't know injuries that could happen, things like that. So to come out and say he's not a fit, 
when down the road, you know, you could need him and you will, you could bring him in. I think they come out now and kind of alienate him and say, you know, he's not a fit. He wouldn't work here with Tom, you know, wouldn't work in this system. I think, I don't think that's a good move. Well, I mean, you could say that, but Bruce Arians knows him. I mean, he, he knew him from the Steelers and he knows the attitude and he knows how he is in the locker room. He knows what his career is. So, I mean, I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, as a coach not wanting to mess up chemistry that you had with your receivers, with your offensive talent, uh, you know, I, I think it kind of makes sense, and it kind of gives uh, A.B., I'm sure that if they hadn't had that discussion, it gives a you know him a confirmation if he wants to play in the league, look somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think – and I think that's what he was doing. You know, he's putting those rumors to bed. He was – Getting, getting that, getting that, you know, that speculation, that story out of his locker room before he got started. Yeah, because you know the the Bucks are looking for a third receiver, but you know, with two electric players and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown just might not have been the guy Bruce Arians wanted. He might not have messed up the chemistry that those two had, and that they've been building with Tom. And it to me, it makes sense, and I I think it was a good call by Bruce. So now that my take for. Antonio Brown is out. Um, do we want to update those? Yeah, sure. Where do you have him going? Oh, I think that you could see him land somewhere like Miami. I like that a lot. You know, they're looking like uh, they're looking for another receiver to throw over there across from Devontae Parker. Uh, they've got money to spend, uh, or they did last time I looked. Um, They've got a little bit of money to spend. So I think that Antonio Brown could be a, a definitely a potential landing. So I'm going to put Antonio Brown on the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I think he fits right in there. They're looking for a slot receiver. I think Antonio Brown is the perfect fit. Do you think Pete Carroll wants to deal with Antonio Brown? I think Pete Carroll wants to win the division. And I think Antonio yeah. Brown – I think Antonio Brown does that for him. He he puts them over the top. I think you know, like I, like I stated over like in previous shows, he's the best route runner in the NFL to this day. He might not be you know his peak per- performance anymore, but nobody's better at running route and getting open than Antonio Brown. Yeah, I I mean I could see it happen. I think that he would definitely give them an, uh, an electric receiver out there on the slot. But it's kind of, to me, it's kind of the same thing with. Um, Tampa Bay, it's just, you know, I think that they might have some chemistry going on, but I mean, I, I, it's just, uh, it's tough for me. I'm a, I like Seattle a lot. I'm a big Chris Carson guy. I want to see them succeed. I, if they did get Antonio Brown, it would excite me because they'd add a playmaker, but it, I also wouldn't be surprised if Pete Carroll didn't want to take the chance. Well, I mean, you, you saw him take a chance with uh, Josh Gordon last year. Yeah, that's a good point. As, Antonio Brown kind of went public with a lot of things at the end of his stint, though. Yeah, I think this uh, – and that's also the main point of this is that if Antonio Brown were to come back, um, I think Bruce Arian even noted this, that he still has to face repercussion from the league for his antics in the league and outside of it. Yeah, so him getting signed to a team would just be the beginning of what would more than likely be a long, drawn-out process to actually play football. I think so. Okay, so today on Football Friday, we're going to play a little game. It's called Better or Worse. We have our NFL expert, Cole, on 
and we're going to give him some teams, lift off some teams. He's going to tell us whether they're going to be better or worse this year and why. So you ready? Yeah, let's go. First up, we've got the Raiders. So the Raiders. Ah, you know, man, I really like what they're doing. They, uh, I've liked a lot of their signings that they've done so far. The only signing I'm not too big about is the Jeff Heaths. Jeff Heath and Carl Joseph. Uh, Carl Joseph was a West Virginia mm-hmm. guy. He had a lot of coverage problems, but I feel like Carl Joseph was one of those guys that could step up in the box and really kind of stop the run game, and that's what they didn't utilize him properly. Gruden didn't draft him, so I don't feel like he really fit his scheme. But, uh, you know, so be it. And I think one of the main things that the Raiders were really missing last year was a true-born leader. And so you kind of see that with the Jason Witten signing and the Corey Littleton signing on the the Ram, from the Rams on the defensive side of the ball. He's going to do that middle linebacker spot and really kind of coordinate and set everybody up properly. He's been there. He's done that. He's learned from Aaron Donald and all those guys that – those great players they got out there at the Rams that carried them to the Super Bowl. So I could really see that signing paying off. Uh, do you think Mariota, Marcus Mariota starts over or under four and a half games? Under. You think Derek Carr is their quarterback? I do. I do feel like Derek Carr is their quarterback. I uh, I think that the Mariota signing was more so just stability because I'm not sure that Gruden sold on Derek Carr, but I think once he gets Mariota in, he's gonna see that uh, Mariota doesn't fit his style, and uh, I think that was an interesting signing, though. That's for sure. So, do you think Derek Carr annoys Jeff Gruden? I do. John I do. John, I do feel like Derek Carr. Uh, I don't know if you've ever really looked at the, his interviews or anything, but Jeff or Derek Carr has always just seemed a little whiny to me. He, uh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Super whiny. He's a whiny type of guy. Like uh, his brother was whiny when he was in Houston, and he's not to that extent because, I mean, you know, Derek, he's a little bit more laid back, but. David was super whiny. He had a lot to whine about, though. He got hit a lot. But... <laughs> yeah. Is that hurt? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so let's move on to the next team. Well, so, well hang on, hang on, hang on. Go so uh, how are you – do you think you're going to see Josh Jacobs take a step forward as a sophomore, or do you see a, a little bit of hindrance now that teams have been able to scout him a little bit? You know, that's a great question, Josh. I really – you know, I'm a true-born believer in the sophomore slump. I really feel like once they get some, uh, that's where you get stars decide, like you decide if you're going to be a star or not because they get tape on you finally and they kind of know your quirks after that first season. But Josh Jacobs, like just watching him, that guy is, you know, outside of Christian McCaffrey, there there might not be a better one-two guy that can just, you know, catch the ball and run it right up the gut in between the tackles. So. I really think that he will be able to uh, adjust properly. He might have come out the gate struggling a little bit, but I think that he'll be able to adjust and move forward. I agree. He's a shifty kind of guy, and I, I like Jacobs a lot. He's he's someone I'm going to be watching close. I've got a lot of hopes for right. him. Definitely. So you think the Raiders are going to be better this season? Yes. All right. Anything else on the, on them, Josh? Nope. That is what I wanted. All right. Moving on to the next team. Uh, down there in your neck of the woods, Cole, the Miami Dolphins. Oh, man, this is an awesome one. So, I I love what the Dolphins are doing right now. It's, like, it's awesome. Like, uh, 
you know, when they first started rebuilding, everybody was saying they were going to go 6 0 and 16 last year, and it looked really bad at the beginning. But uh, Brian Flores is an awesome coach from what I can see. He's really shifted that culture. He got all the guys out that didn't want to be there, and he's getting the guys that are buying into the system. I love their linebackers, you know, like he's building that defense like super strong. Their offense is horrific still. I love Devontae Parker, but outside of Devontae Parker, there's not a single thing that excites me. The Jordan Howard signing was awesome, but you can't run the ball without – a line and I couldn't name you a single person on their offensive line right now so uh, they signed Eric Flowers that 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 speaks for itself and we're just going to leave it there right Mm -hmm. we watched him in New York and that was awful I think that guy's cross-eyed when he's guarding so (laughs) anyway but I see the Dolphins I actually picked the Dolphins to win the division this year so Yes, I do. I I think that they could win the division just based off their talent on the defensive side alone. I really like it. I think that those three first-round picks, they're going to take a step forward. They're going to utilize that. I think that they're going to go an offensive lineman. Uh, I think they're going to draft another quarterback. I don't think that Brian Flores likes uh, the Josh Rosen train. And somebody on the other side of the ball, I think Grant Delpit will end up in Miami. So, they, so do you think that they will sign uh, – do you think that they're going to try and draft Tua? You know, I'm not a big Tua guy. I honestly think they're going to – Well, that's not what I, I think that they're going to – I think that they're going to probably sign Tua or draft Tua, yes. But Jordan Love would be the pick in my in – my. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, that's a little different. So who do you think they start at quarterback? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Easy. Easy. You think they win the division with him? I do. Yeah, Fitz Magic, baby. Fitz Magic all day. It's going to be tough to win. I think to win more than eight games with Fitzpatrick, but I could definitely see them winning the division if they could pull off maybe a Cam signing or if they possibly drafted two and started him. The Cam, the Cam thing is alive and well. I think that that's a dark horse to land Cam. That's a great point, Carlo. Like, that's, yeah, Cam, I could see him. So they only had five wins last year. So you think they're going to be better than that? I do, hundred percent. I, I see yeah, them as an eight and eight ball club, nine and seven, for sure. And that mean that very well is probably going to be enough to win that division. You're right. Yeah, that's definitely. Anything else on them, Josh? Nope. All right, moving on to Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Oh Lord. Uh, this is another one of those teams that they're looking for leadership, man. Uh. I think that the first mistake was two years ago. Let me back up. The the Haslam's are a train wreck. Until they sell the team, <laughs> the Browns will never win anything. But the uh, the first mistake that they made was the Freddie Kitchen signing. That was a terrible yeah. signing. They should have stuck with Greg yes. Williams. But Greg Williams, you know, he's connected to the Bounty Gate thing, and that's uh, – they're ne- he's never going to have a head coaching job, so they had no choice but to let Greg Williams go. If they would have kept Greg Williams, I see that I saw the Browns in the playoffs and possibly the AFC Championship game because Greg Williams is the kind of leader that you need to whip everybody into line. Now, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have looked at their linebacking situation, but it is horrific. Uh, 
they just brought in Carl Joseph, and like I said earlier with the Raiders, he couldn't cover anything. He can. I don't mm-hmm. with the uh, Steve Wilkes signing of their defense as their defensive coordinator. You know, he when he was Arizona's defense coordinator, he liked to bring a lot of uh, safeties down into the middle of the field and kind of play that Mike linebacker role. So I could see that for Carl Joseph. I don't know if, what their plans are, but I love Greedy Williams and uh, Denzel Ward. That's an awesome duo in tandem. Uh, their front set or their front four is awesome, but I just don't see that that linebacking core. There's going to be too many missed tackles, and the back end is not covered. So. So you mentioned uh, Freddie Kitchens kind of being the downfall of them last season. Uh, kind of comment on the signing of new coach Kevin Stefanski and also Austin Hooper. So Stefanski is an interesting one. You know, like I feel like he utilized Kyle Rudolph well, and with the Austin Hooper signing, I could definitely see that. Austin Hooper fits more than of the role of what Kevin Stefanski wants out of a tight end. And, you know, the David Njoku. David Njoku, his big thing is the blocking. Like he can't block. And uh, he can catch the ball, but he just can't block. And I think that he wanted somebody who could both block and catch. And uh, Austin Hooper can definitely do both. So I see him being able to, you know, release Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, that duo, get them back going and really help that offense expand. They have a great offensive line. Their offense is where Baker goes, they go, you know. That's that's pretty much it. If Baker can take a step forward, the, the Case Keenum signing was good. I wouldn't say it's awesome. Uh, they need leadership, you know, and Baker needs to grow up, really. So, so I saw, like I they, saw yeah. something. Go ahead, Josh. It looks like they were uh, doing some things with their offensive line, too, trying to maybe give Baker some help uh, on the offensive end, help right. him stand upright and not have to run around for his life every right. game. Yeah. So that gives me a little bit of optimism. I, I could see them going, you know, another offensive lineman. They have uh, – you know, they have Trent Brown, I believe. and No, they don't have Trent Brown. They have uh, Jack Conklin and then their other tackle. I can't think of who it is right now. But, uh, yeah, for sure, Josh. Joel Batonio, you know, J.C. Treader, he's the he's the heart and soul of that offensive line. Uh, he's their center. And I could, I could definitely see them getting a little bit more help in the draft, but for sure, wherever Baker goes, they go. And they just signed – and they just signed fullback Andy Janovich. So – that's just a quality signing in itself exactly. right there. I, I agree with that one, too. Yeah, I think that falls back on Stefanski also in his system. Uh, so they were 6-10 and 10 last year. Um, it's going to be tough for them to win the division with the Ravens and Steelers, um, both in that division, and the Bengals are going to be a lot feistier this year. Um, do you think they win more than six games? This I year? do. I do. I see them as an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, nine and seven team again. It just depends on – they're one of those teams that could really surprise you, but they're also one of those teams that could really disappoint you. It's just – Whichever way, you know, their leadership goes, I think that they need a a veteran to come in and, you know, get together with that defense. But the offense is set in place. There's really no room for anybody else. So it's just where they go. Do you see any free agents left out there that they could possibly get on the defensive side of the ball? You know, they don't have the money for a clowny signing. That's really the only one that I could see that would really help. The Nick if they could, they let Joe Schubert go, uh, Schubert goes. He was their leading tackler and middle linebacker who kind of ran the de- the defense and everything, set everyone up. Uh, if they would have got Kwiatkowski, I would have said that they, that was an awesome signing for them. But I see them trying to get a Kenneth Murray maybe out of Oklahoma. I could see him mm-hmm. at, coming back and being teammates with Baker. But uh, I think that that would make a huge impact if they could get a Kenneth Murray. 
for sure. All right, moving on to the last team. It will be the San Francisco 49ers, the reigning NFC champs. So lofty, lofty bar they've set up there. Do you think they're better or worse? I think they're actually worse. Uh, right now, the you know the 49ers are playing the game of what all of those teams play whenever they get there, but they don't get over the hump. They're trying to hold on to what they have. Uh, if you look at a lot of their guys, they're coming up on their contracts, you know, a.k.a. Eric Armstead. He just got that new deal. DeForest Buckner, they just dealt. I love the, the fact that they dealt DeForest Buckner. They honestly didn't really need him. Uh, mm-hmm. D Ford's going to step right into that role. You know, Quan Alexander is going to come back and be that other linebacker on the left side. They had a lot of rookies step up. Uh, and then really the, the only worry that I have is that back end, that back end of, uh, the safety cornerback position. I'm really, you know, Sherman, he showed that he's lost a step. He does his, still have his craft that he can handle the down low, but once, once it gets past that second level, Sherman can get exposed really easily. And uh, I think that that was – you could see that, you know, the Packers got ran out of the building, but uh, the, you definitely saw Sherman not being able to hold Devontae, and also Sherman wasn't holding his own in the Super Bowl. So you saw that in that fourth quarter. Yeah, now he's in a division with DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly. Be a lot tougher. For sure. Uh, Josh, do you have anything on that? Uh, no, I, I like that a lot, Cole. I think that they are going to be a little bit worse, but I, you know, I think it's it's kind of unfair to well, not unfair, but it is uh, like Kyler said, lofty expectations. So when you set the bar that high, it's hard to repeat that. It's hard to sustain right. that kind of excellence, and you know, getting back to the Super Bowl is a is a big feat. Not many teams do back to back Super Bowl appearances. So they were thirteen and three last year. Do you think they win under or over? Let's say ten and a half. Ten and a half, man. That's I, I honestly have them at ten and six. Ten and six is where I'm keeping them. Uh, I think that Kyle Shanahan keeps them in playoff contention. I think that uh, you know, hopefully they have an injury prone se- or they don't have an injury prone season. They can stay out of the injury bug. Get the don't let that come around. But uh, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan's a guy that you can't count out. I think that's sure. a good point. His his offensive schemes are some of the best in the league. The things that he can do with just anybody is incredible. Right. And I, I'm interested and do you think- to see what he does in the draft because uh, there's a few places that they could, you know, re-up and he could surprise you. The way the, the draft falls out, maybe, you know, they re-up with some, some weapons and they get some good defensive stars maybe that can step into roles. So I actually have another question about them. Uh, do, have you heard or do you know anything about Jalen Hurd uh, coming back from his injury, and do you expect him to make a pretty big impact this season? You know, I, I'm trying to figure out what their rotation is going to be. Jalen Hurd is a interesting, you know, concept because he he played both running back and wide receiver in college. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, something that people are forgetting is their starting running back is coming back, Jarek McKinnon, and Jarek McKinnon, who they originally signed, and John Lynch loves so. I'm curious uh, what they're going to do. I mean, we all, as we all know, they had four running backs going in the playoffs with the uh, Brita, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, and I um, forget the fourth. But uh, I'm just trying to figure out where everyone's going to fit. They have a abundance of weapons at the wide receiver position. Uh, when you have uh, 
I, I can't even think. Debo Samuel, you know, Devontae Pettis, Travis Benjamin is their Kittle. fourth. Kettle, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, you you got a weapons there. So where Jalen Hurd fits into that, I don't know. But if there's anybody who could scheme him open, it's Kyle Shanahan. So, Do you think 10 and 6 will be enough to win the NFC West? Oh, that's um, – I don't think it wins the, the Seahawks NFC West. were 11 and 5 last year. Nope. I don't think that they win the NFC West this year, honestly. I think that the Seahawks do. And then the Cardinals, I mean, that – be be looking on the uh for the odds on that closer to the season. You know, I and I I'm trying to figure out what if the Cardinals are going to be able to uh I have no doubts in Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he the the progressiveness he showed last year his game translates to the NFL. You know, in today's yeah. league, his offense does translate. You know, 6 years ago we might not be talking about it, but uh I'm curious on the defensive side of the ball how they're going to hold up, and that's the big question. He can load up with weapons yeah. all he wants, but he needs to get some defensive side of the ball addressed. I think they only had three or four games that weren't one-score games last year. There you go. All right, Cole, thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, we can't wait to have you on again for next Fantasy Friday or Fantasy Football Friday. Well, guys, I yeah, appreciate man, have you fun having me. Have fun down in Florida. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Good talk to you, buddy. So, guys, welcome to the Degenerates Den. This is a new segment we're going to be doing throughout the upcoming weeks, especially when sports start getting going again. We're going to bring you all the bets that you need to be paying attention to. Great value picks, stay away picks, picks where you need to bet your entire house on. When we get some better game lines, get closer to the season, get um, some more accurate win totals, we'll get you, we'll get you caught up on those so you know what bets to lock in on those. But uh, first, Josh, we're going to start with the great value pick. What is your great value pick of the day? So my great value pick going into the 2020 season is – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the division in the NFC South, uh, six to four odds. I love that. I, I love I love them in that division. I think that uh, bringing in Tom Brady, he's a winner. He knows how to win. They were already in a good position with Jameis. And I think that they've made the the right moves, bringing back Namakansu, uh, and just keeping that dynamic duo at wide receiver. I think that they're going to win that division. Uh, I think that they're going to battle with the Saints, but I think that you'll see enough productivity out of the Bucks to pull out that division. I love the Bucks in that division. I've actually, I'm going to save my take for that on for later on in this segment. Moving on to my great value, I'm going to stick with the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. So it's a depleted division. Um, they're eight to five odds. So throw down, throw down a hundred dollars, walk away with two fifty, two sixty, whatever it is. In the division with the Colts, with Phillip Rivers, the Texans, I don't even think they're going to be in the NFL after this season. They might get relegated down to, to Canada. Uh, Jacksonville, Minshew Mania, not sure how that's going to work in his sophomore year. So I think great value, Tennessee, lock it in. I think that's a great pick. Jacksonville's trading everybody away. Bill O'Brien has no clue what the hell's going on in Houston right now. And uh, the Colts won't be able to keep up that kind of success. So I, I think that's a, a solid pick. Moving on to the next stay-away pick. 
who is your stay away pick for this coming season? So the pick that I am going to absolutely stay away from, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect to anyone out there, but I don't see how you could uh, even think about making this pick. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles winning the NFC Championship. Uh, right now, they're under eight to one. I would, uh, I wouldn't go anywhere near uh, Philadelphia in the NFC Championship. Josh, those that is astounding odds. They're I above would... Seattle, Green Bay, Minnesota, Atlanta, Chicago. I, I don't. Maybe Vegas knows something we don't. Yeah, there's no way I'm touching Philadelphia Eagles with a 10-foot pole to win anything. You know, maybe going into this year, maybe they're thinking that their wide receivers are going to be healthy. They traded away Aguilar, which, you know, if you listen to the firefighter, he can't catch anything anyway. Uh, so I, I'm just – there's no way that I would touch – even look at the Eagles for winning the NFC Championship. Definitely not. And piggybacking on that, my stay-away pick is actually the entire NFC East. Do not watch – if you're not – even if you're not a Cowboys fan, honestly, even if you are, just don't even watch the NFC East this year. They're going to be just as bad, just as toxic as last year. I mean, even three weeks in the last season, everyone was saying, don't bet on the NFC East. This, this division is unpredictable. No one knows who's going to win week in, week out. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. These teams are all the same skill level. They're interchangeable. They run the ball. They throw the ball six yards. <laughs> I think eight and eight wins this division. Well, uh, you know, they they might have thrown it three yards in the past, but I think you're about to see Danny Dimes go out there and just make some plays. I think uh, I think the Giants are a sleeper to win that division. I, that's definitely – I mean, like I said, I think eight and eight wins it. So, I mean, Danny Dimes <laughs> yeah. definitely could be in the running for it. So, is Dwayne Haskins, I think. Well, I don't, I, think, I, I don't think Washington knows what the hell's going on either. I'm not putting any money on them. I but think I, I, think that's, I, I think it's a good call on your part. Stay away from the NFC East. Definitely mm-hmm. a good take. So moving on to the last pick, the bet the house pick. So this is the pick, Josh. You need to let the listeners know what pick can they bet their entire house, their kid's mortgage, their wife's wedding ring. What can they bet their entire house on? So this is going to draw a, a lot of scrutiny uh, out there, but I'm going to, I think that I've seen, I've seen enough and I know enough and I'm a huge fan. Uh, you can go ahead and count it down, bet whatever you need to. If you lose, don't come to me, but if you win, come to me. Um, Baltimore Ravens are winning the Super Bowl, and that is, you can bet anything you want on that. They've been through enough trials. They have uh, built up the offense. They're they're making the right moves. They're building an even scarier defense than they had last year. I'm loving everything I'm seeing about Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's just getting time to grow and become a better passer. Everything about the Baltimore Ravens screams success to me right now. I'm 100% in on Baltimore 2020, 2021 season, and they will win the Super Bowl. Oh, that's a hot take, Josh, in that. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you um, per se, but I think Patrick Mahomes might. I think that back-to-back Super Bowls are uh, difficult to attain. If if he does it, kudos to him. But uh, history showed us that that is a very hard thing to do. And I will bet anything that I should on Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens next year. I like it. I like it. So I'm going to stick with the same vein of picking a Super Bowl team, but I'm just going to pick somebody to get there. And I'm going to pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're 8-1 to odds. 
So this is actually going to contradict what I've been saying the past few weeks, or you know, the, since Brady has signed the Bucks, I guess. But I'm actually all in on the Bucks. Uh, everything they've been saying, everything Brady's been saying, the wide receivers, the linemen, the coaches, the people in the building selling popcorn, everything they're saying has been right. I cannot wait to see that team. They see, it seems like it's going to be the perfect fit. It seems like Brady's going to be right at home in a system that he's used to playing in. It, Josh, I don't, I don't see how, how they one they don't win that division, and two they don't make it at least to the conference championship game. Well, I see two teams that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't see a pathway for Tom Brady to make it to the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers this year. I think that they will probably make it. I mean, they will definitely make it to the playoffs. They're going to win that division. Um, I don't think that there's a pathway for him to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I think that he'll be a, a good quarterback in a good system that he's familiar with, but you have to ask, man. He didn't look great. I know he didn't have a lot of weapons, but he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. I'm excited to watch him play at Tampa Bay, and I'm not going to disagree with you um, except for the fact that I think the Ravens will win the Super Bowl. But I think it's a it would be very wonderful for Tom Brady to win or to make it to the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. And that brings to another question of this is, if Tom Brady makes it to the Super Bowl, or so let me ask you this: How far does Tom Brady have to make it this year in order for him to be better or outgrow the stigma of he's only good because of Belichick? So I think, I think he needs to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. I think I think to to fully out outgrow that to really be able to say. It was me. It wasn't him, which, I mean, I think that's unfair anyways because I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, but I also think Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, kind of like how Michael Jordan and, and Phil Jackson complemented each other so well just because they're both champions, and I think the same thing with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. So I don't like, I, I don't like that narrative that, that the media has created in that sense, but I, I do think that, you know, to drive that narrative and to outshine it, I think Tom Brady will have to win a Super Bowl within the next two years because I think the Patriots are in a little bit of a rebuilding a rebuilding project. I, I think they're going to end up starting Jared Stidham most of the season. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on the Stidham take, and I and I think that's a good point. He's get, he does need to win a Super Bowl uh, probably to outgrow that stigma that everyone's put around him and Bill, which you know I'm sure isn't good for their relationship. But who knows what that relationship looked like. You know, before Tom left, I'm sure Tom left for a reason, and it'll be years before we probably know what the actual thing was. Right. I mean, you you heard back when uh, Belichick tried to trade for or try try to trade when the trade for Garoppolo happened with San Francisco. He actually tried to trade Brady, and that trade would have happened, but Kraft nixed it right when he heard about it. And I think since that moment, I, I think I think that's when it when the relationship was fractured and never never fully repaired. Yeah, Kyler, it was good to have uh, Cole on. It was always, always great to hear from him and what he has, what he knows about football and all of his insider information. Definitely, no. Hopefully, he joins us in the degenerates den next time. Get us some get us some good bets. Yeah, especially when the season gets a little bit closer, I'd love to hear uh, his input on some of the upcoming games. Yeah, and the win totals for sure. Yeah, exactly. And uh, right now, win totals, but then maybe uh, a little bit later on, whenever I get games to bet on, he can be my eyes and ears. 
Definitely. So, Josh, are you going to watch Joe Tiger tonight or are you going to wait till the morning? Uh, I don't know. My eyes are already getting kind of heavy on me tonight. I'm probably going to uh, lay down and put on Family Guy and uh, try to get to sleep kind of early tonight. I'm going to stop to do some editing on this and a couple other things, but I really don't want to stay up too late tonight. i got to be right back at the office tomorrow, so. Well, more than four hours of sleep tonight. Yeah, if uh, if everything goes well, I might get uh, I might get six. So that's a uh, six is a good number for me. That's when I'm I'm optimal. I run I run optimally at six hours of sleep. Might not sleep the rest of the month. Well, I I hope I don't have to redo what I've done this week uh, ever again for a long time. So let's keep yeah, it that way. Well, man, like you said, this well, is hey, a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, we we really enjoyed Cole coming on. Thank you all for listening. Um, rate, review, share with your friends, download. We really appreciate the support. Thanks, guys.